Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Thursday. It's been a crazy, busy week, as usual, around the uscfootball.com beat and the USC Trojan football beat. And all that, we got Keely Yor here sitting right next to me. We're going to talk about some breaking news within the USC football program and take a look ahead at the Trojans' next opponent, the Oregon State Beavers. I'll be in the Coliseum on Saturday night. Hope you can go. Check it out. Should be exciting atmosphere, and uh, we probably have to get to the breaking news right at the top. But I want to you know, welcome Keely in and say hello first, and give her some time to you know she just broke this right before we started recording. So nice job, Keely. But how you doing, Keely? Hello, hello, Ryan. I'm doing well. How are you? Can't complain. You know we're here. It's uh, football season, and there's always something interesting going on. Always around something. USC. I wouldn't uh, mind a break <laughs> from from drama. Little drama. Uh, well, before we jump jump into the drama, I just want to let people know. You can uh, email the show if you have any questions, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you could call or text us, uh, leave us a voicemail, send us a text. That number is 424-254-9141. And of course, on Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a five-star rating, which is always great. A positive review helps us to grow the show. We got a couple today. We'll read and we'll pick one and give them a free Trader Joe's gift card. So we'll do that in a minute. Uh, we'll talk about Trader Joe's and all of that, but... We got to get to our breaking news that Keely just put out on Twitter, like literally, you know, 20 minutes before we started recording this. Yes. But, uh, Keely, what's going on? Hello, hello, Ryan. Yeah, I said hello like you didn't already welcome me in. Uh, we have some breaking news about Jackson Dart. It was interesting, you know, USC has been very quiet about Jackson Dart's status. He hasn't been at pr- the open public practices that we've been able to go to. Um, and throughout the week, I was hearing that it was a little bit more serious than USC was letting on. Um, but USC wanted this under lock and key. So basically what I was able to find out through sources is that, uh, Dart injured his meniscus against Washington state, still played through it, which is crazy. Um, and then underwent surgery for that, that tear that he had earlier in the week. So, um, they're trying to get him back as fast as possible. I know from Dart's camp, they're trying to do everything they, they can to have him still be competitive in this season. And and to be fair, meniscus injury is probably the best out of the, the big three for yeah. the knees, like a ACL, MCL, or meniscus. That's kind of the, the least damaging one. Um, so the recovery time is not as extensive as the ACL where you're like, okay, you're out for the next nine to 12 months. Um, but the timeline right now is unclear partially because I think USC is trying to figure out what the timeline looks like right now with his recovery. So we'll see going forward, but it puts a damper on, you know, the electric, electric start he had uh, or to his career on Saturday. So it's a, it's an interesting development. And and as you mentioned, Ryan, John Wilner said, oh, well, USC's going to have to go with, with Keaton Slovis, but he put it in a funny way. What do you say? Yeah, he said USC will settle for the starting first team preseason all-conference quarterback, which yeah. is, yeah, like who's been the best quarterback in the conference like for the last two years. Yes, uh, this is a weird one for me, Keila. First of all, nice nice work there. We'll give you uh, some applause. <laughs> Good job. Um, no yeah, this is USC's backup quarterback. Now, I get he came into the game and just 
did really well. Kicked ass. Like, way to go, Jackson Dart. It sucked that, you know, the end of the first half, even before he threw that touchdown pass on fourth and nine, he gets hit on a read option play and, you know, hurts his knee. And he's, you know, limping around. He comes in after, um, you know, halftime and has a, a brace on. Gutty performance. You know, we talked about Jake Hayner. Um, you know, what he did against UCLA, couldn't even move his, you know, his hip was all hurt. And he, you know, Dart did similar stuff. You know, if he's, he had to have surgery and he still played 30 more minutes of football after that, pretty impressive uh, from what he did. But he's still the backup quarterback. I mean, Keaton Slovis, if Keaton Slovis didn't practice this week, they'd be like, okay, but we went to practice. Keaton Slovis looked completely fine. Um, you know, you guys were up on the Palouse. Shotgun talked to him after the game. It looked like, he could barely turn his head. So yeah, Keaton, yeah. It was gonna be tough for Keaton to to do much, but we came on Tuesday. He looked fine. You guys were out there Wednesday, apparently looked fine again. Looked fine, yeah. Um, so you still have your starting quarterback. This is just a weird one for me. I guess because there was so much hype around it and the fans really jumped on the dart train. And he looks like gonna be an amazing quarterback for for USC in the future. Unfortunately, it sort of takes away the controversy, like Who's going to start because, you know, the future is going to have to be delayed a little bit. Yeah. Uh, at least a few games, it seems like, for Jackson Dart. But, you know, USC still has their guy, Keaton Slow. Like, that's the weird part for me, Keely. It yeah. just seems like he's still the guy. Uh, but, you know, what, I, I think USC is going to be fine this weekend. Obviously, now you only have two scholarship quarterbacks that are going to be available. Miller Moss is promoted to the backup now. He got second team reps in practice this week. He got one snap in the game against Washington State. When it was like with Dart's helmet came off, right? Or something. I yeah, I think his that's helmet what it was. came off, yeah. Um, and so he was so super, super excited to get out there and play. So I think USC's fine. You know, you had two quarterbacks, obviously, one more injury, and then there's not that many left. Um, but you know, you wish Dart a, a speedy recovery. But I yeah, they've just been super secretive about it, which it, it doesn't make sense to me because he's not practicing. Dante Williams, and you guys said this on instant analysis, I think Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, Dante Williams said on Tuesday, yeah, if you don't practice, you're not going to play. Yeah. Well, he hasn't even been out, not even not practicing. He's not there. So like, yeah, th- I, I don't think Oregon state was thinking that dart was going to come off the, you know, out of the locker room, not having even been at practice and come play. So the, the secrecy on this one just seems a little weird to me, but you know, well, I think going forward, it's worth noting that, you know, Clay Hilton was the outlier when it came to sharing with the media status updates and injury updates. You know, I think head coaches, across the country are very secretive about these things. They want any competitive advantage that they want to to get. And and I think Dante's approaching it that same way. They're going to be a little bit more uh, cryptic and vague about everyone's status. So that's definitely a change for us mid-season after having six years of Clay Elton, who would, we would probably find out on Sunday that Dart had a meniscus injury in the presser from Helton, if that were the case. Yeah. So it's just different. But I do think it's a little odd given that, you know, no one really said Keen's our guy, you know? You would think that with the starter, your starting quarterback practicing for the week, they would come out and say, yeah, Keen's going to start against Oregon State. And and I've heard from the USC side of things that they want every competitive advantage that they can get, and they want Oregon State to prepare for two quarterbacks. But what does that say about what you think about your starting quarterback? You know, to me, it just was a little odd in the sense that if you're USC – I think you're still backing Keaton Slovis, right? Like I would, I would think. It's, like, it's just I don't fully understand it, and maybe I'm missing a motive or some type of gamesmanship from my perspective, but I just didn't fully understand why it just felt like 
there there wasn't a need to be this secretive about it. Exactly. This is this is your if if Jackson Dart was at practice and like dressed out. Yeah. And then you're like, we don't know who's going to start. Like when he's not there, like if you're going to let us watch practice and we can report that he's not there. Yeah. Oregon State knows he's not there. Like they're not preparing for him. Like yeah. if they if he was there and like we're like, hey, you can't say how much you did. And we saw him out there and he was in pads and didn't throw a pass and was like, you know, lipping around or something. Like, and they said, don't say anything. We wouldn't have said anything. And it's fine. But like, you know, he's not there. And like to not be there is is a good indication. Like, even when the head coach says you're not gonna play. So I don't know. I, I don't think this, yeah, this just seems like a weird one. But you know, USC's gonna do what they want to do. It's a this was, you know, Dante Williams' first game, you know, and this is his first like sort of major story to kind of deal with, with the media. So I think they're feeling all of this stuff out too. But um, yeah, it, you know, for all the fans that wanted Jackson Dart to start on Saturday night uh, against Oregon State, sorry. I mean, there's, there's no choice to be made now, you know, um, you're gonna have to ride with Keen. So I think it's a good opportunity for him to sort of come back and, you know, being injured the very first series of the game, it's lucky that he's going to be able to come back as quickly as he has. I mean, we still, and this is worth noting too. We didn't get final confirmation that Keaton will start on Saturday. True. And and Keaton, in a very brief one minute presser, was very short and said he's preparing to to make this start and give the team a, a his best opportunity to win. But still, it was just odd. Like Ryan, you were there for that Tuesday media availability. It was very just odd i don't know how to describe it It, and we said this on instant analysis but it just felt like there's this giant elephant in the room yeah and yet no one fully wanted to address it or i don't know it was just very weird you draw they there was a lot of attention being drawn to how weird everyone was like keaton slovis like it was all scrum so usually there's like four people going at once and we can all talk to whoever we want it was like everyone was in a scrum every media person talked to every person it seemed like for most of it they're like, Keen Slovis can't, he can't talk very long. And everything he said was, I'm just preparing for Saturday. It was like, okay. Like, you know, people, it wasn't like people were asking, like grilling him or whatever. It just came off as like, we're not going to say anything. I'm like, and if you don't want to say anything, it's fine. I'd rather like, don't trot him out there and say something, you know? Yeah. Have, don't have him say anything. Uh, we didn't hear from Drake London. It's like, okay, if you, you know, we don't know about the concussion stuff. He doesn't want to answer questions about it. Cool. You know, he didn't practice. He was out there and didn't really do anything for the team stuff. But they didn't let him talk. I'd rather see that than put the poor kid out there. And he just, it just didn't sound good for him, his answering questions. And yeah. Dante Williams was very short about everything. Um, you know, Miller Boss, to his credit, he was he was talkative. He seemed normal, you know, but he was just happy to, he was like, oh, I got to play. I was like, I just want to stay out there. Like, very genuine, you know. Um, and, you know, Graham Harrell, there was some weird stuff with his too. But if you're an assistant coach, you can always defer to the head coach on any kind of injury stuff. So that's fine. But um, the two people we were hearing from, it just was like, you know, Keen Slowis and Dante Williams. It was just, it seemed like if you didn't want to draw attention to something, like that wasn't the right way to do it. You All you did was draw attention to like, yeah. this is weird. Something's going on. You know? so, so here's the thing. Maybe this is just a new page in USC's media availability and like how they're going to address the media, which, okay, that's a change. And that makes sense, I guess, if you want to be like other other programs in the country. But to do it. The, the week after the start, the backup quarterback comes out and lights up the game and looks great, and now there's a fan base cheering for Dart. It just doesn't bode well. It makes it it feeds into that narrative of like what's going to happen with Dart, what's going to happen with Keaton, you know, and and 
it just didn't it just felt weird <laughs> i don't i don't know how it to, did yeah and i think this is an opportunity uh this would have been an opportunity where i get it you want to build on that momentum from dart he got he got people excited again. You want yeah. to fill the Coliseum. And I think they will. I think they're going to get a lot of people to come out for this game, which is awesome. Like, you want that. Um, you want to get people excited. And Dart was something that got people excited. But once you knew, okay, he's going to have surgery. He's going to be out. I think that's your opportunity to give your starting quarterback confidence and be like, we are behind Keaton Slovis. You know, as long as he's healthy and he's looking good now. He's going to be our starter. He's been our starter. Like yeah. he's not getting Wally pipped. Um, you know, Dart's going to be out a little while, and you know, Keen's our guy. And then when he comes back, like every position, there's always you know every week is a battle. And I think you sort of just back up. But the way it, the way it comes off to me was it was just like they weren't backing up Slovis. You know, they weren't not like backing up. They weren't supporting him in this you know weird situation. You know, it yeah. seemed like a great opportunity to do that. You got. You basically had the quarterback controversy eliminated because one of the guys got hurt, you know, and you still got your starter. So here you go. Yeah. And in hindsight, knowing what we know now, I don't understand. Like, eventually it's going to come out that, yeah, Dart had surgery (laughs) and he's not available. Why are you not publicly backing your starter when you know that? And like, obviously, they're going to say, hey, it's competitive advantage. and, And I get that. But. It's just a little odd. I just I I'm not sure I fully understand the overall strategy no, I about this. And I, I don't get the competitive. I I'm all for you know I'm for, I'm for that stuff you know. And there's one of those things where it's just like yeah, if you're trying to, but you there's no competitive advantage if the guy's not at practice. Like you don't you know he's not going to you know if you have two quarterbacks that are both healthy, and you don't want the opponent to know who's going to start. Great, like one guy's not there. Like so we know he's not going to start. Yeah, so, I, I don't I, know. I whatever. Don't know. We don't need to you know. Uh, belabor this point. Maybe um, that's too inside baseball for reporting. It, it might be some stuff, but uh, <laughs> all right. Well, why don't we, uh, we, I think we just have a couple, two or three reviews. You want to check those out? You go for it. Ryan. Oh, you want me to do it? Okay. Yeah. I don't remember if we did this one. Zella 00412. Thanks for what you do. Thanks for all you do. It's always fun to listen to you guys. Please keep it up. Great team. Kylie is always positive, honest, and authentic at the same time. Really enjoy listening to her on the show. Go Trojans, Alex from Chicago, class of 93, my class. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Guess when I was born, Ryan? 95? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just when wonder. I got my master's. Like nice. Uh, thanks. It's Keeley, but that's okay. Um, it happens. This is from Marbles28, uh, best USC football coverage. Ryan and his team are the best. They have the best podcast and content about USC football. Thanks, Marbles. That's nice. And then one last one, Peter. Uh, Peter Honey? Hohey? Uh, awesome coverage. Ryan and the team have really improved their game, improved their game each week and every season. Hoping our Trojans follow suit. Mahalo oh. for all you do. Fight on Peter. He's class of 87 and 92. Nice. You want to, I like the Mahalo. You want to give it to Peter? Yeah, sure. All right, Peter, <laughs> you win a $50 uh, gift card to Trader Joe's. Nice. So, uh, thanks for the review. We appreciate that. And, uh, yeah. And for Trader Joe's, the fall flyers out. If you want to check that out. So all the fall stuff is cool. A lot of pumpkin-themed things. I love pumpkin-themed things. Pumpkin ravioli. So it's it's $3.69 to buy the pumpkin ravioli there. So I'm going to go buy like a case of it and uh, go check it out. So I got to go over there. But also, thanks to Trader Joe's. um, My car is full of Trader Joe's snacks and drinks right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we're doing a – this is now, if you're a member of the site, 
VIP member, come on out. Uh, but we're uh, you know, there's more information up on the Parasile if you're a member. We're having a tailgate party uh, for what? USC Oregon State. Um, some celebrity guests will be there. Oh, USC really? Chief of Staff Brandon Sosner is going to be there. We hope he said he would. We hope he'll come out. Um, you know, working on some former players, but it should be fun. Uh, we're going to have food, drinks, free. You remember the site just come out, and uh, we got those Trader Joe's bags that everyone loves. I got like 200 of those things. Nice. I know. The only thing is, I don't know if you can bring them in the stadium. That's going to be a problem. Like, you have to, like, pack them in somewhere else. So It's not a clear bag. Yeah. But so you can't, like, carry stuff in with the bag. But, um, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff. We're going to have, like, a massage therapist out there. We'll have food, drinks. Dan, my buddy Dano on the grill doing a lot of hot dogs. But, like, nice. I got tons of snacks. Got the uh, gluten-free chocolate chip cookies that Keely likes. We got a bunch of those. The little mini chocolate chip cookies, like in the the like that tin thing. Not a tin, but it's a plastic. But oh man, those are so good. I just eat those by the handful. They're small, so I just eat like tons of them. Uh the the peanut pretzels, the pretzels with the peanut butter in them. Man. So lots of good stuff. So hopefully you can come out. But if you want information on it, check it out on uh the Peristyle. If you're not a member, sign up. It's like 10 bucks, and then you get the tailgate for free. Bring your friends. So nice. That's a pretty good deal. So, like, if you want a reason to sign up, you get to come to this free tailgate. Also, if you have a burning question, you can always ask us. <laughs> yes. And you can have, you know, you want to talk to Brandon about the coaching search? Yeah. He's probably not going to share much, but, you know, you can, you can talk to him about it and stuff and see. You can always try. Yeah. Uh, but thank you um, to Trader Joe's for that. Also, one of the home field apparel. It's a big week, big weekend. USC's got the Oregon State game. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but. This is a big thing. You see it on social media. They tweeted out this week. So Home Field Apparel, um, they are releasing, finally, their USC designs. Now, if you've ever seen them, it's a, these, it's a collegiate apparel brand, um, but they have these vintage colors and you know, vintage uh, designs for the colleges and like old school um, logos, things like, you know, when I was in school, like when you said before you were born, some of the, like, the logos and stuff. So they have stuff or tire biter things. They have cool designs, so they look like these retro I love it. I love retro throwback designs. They are super comfortable, and they were basically been releasing for 16 weeks a different program. USC is the last one, and it's on Saturday. So we'll put a post up on the Peristyle on Saturday to give you some more information on it. The designs aren't released yet, and I've seen them. Pretty badass. So really? I like them. Yeah. Okay. So make sure you go check them out. Uh, but it will be launching uh, on Saturday before the game. So go check that out if you want to. Uh, buy them, you can go to homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code USCFootball and you will get 15% off. So, look at that. Uh, yeah, so 50% off. Use USCFootball on homefieldapparel.com. Uh, we'll put a link up on the Peristyle when it goes live on Saturday. So, make sure you go check that out. But it's been real popular. When they tweeted it out, like, I figured you were into this. Some of the millennials and stuff were just like, thank God, almost, you know, it's, it's been it's about time. So there's people that just love these designs, but they haven't had a USC ones yet until this weekend. So I, I do really enjoy vintage designs. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. So some cool stuff there. But all right. So that's all the, uh, there's a lot of stuff to get to at the top of the show. Yes. You got um, through it. Good job. Yeah. What else do we got going on here? So USC's playing at Oregon State this weekend. Right. This is another week where it's like, oh, right. USC has an opponent on Saturday. <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Like Washington State's sort of a mess, right? You Oregon did call it the Chaos Bowl. The Chaos Bowl. Um, Oregon State lost on the road to Purdue, uh, beat Hawaii pretty badly, beat um, Idaho, shut them out, forty-two to nothing. But they've scored in the forties the last two weeks. Uh, Chance Nolan has 
now their quarterback. So I think if they had him for the Purdue game, might have won that one. Uh, they were right there once they put him in later in the game, but the defense just couldn't get a stop. I think this is a really feisty team. This is a team that's well coached. Um, USC still favored by 11 at this point, uh, but this is not going to be, I don't think it's going to be an easy task for the Trojans. I think this is a team that's fired up. You know, they're, this is their opportunity to come to Southern California, recruit, get out there, and they want to make a they want to make a showing. So I would not overlook this Oregon State team. You remember the last time they beat USC in the Coliseum, Keely? Has that ever happened? Uh, 1960. Okay, so it's been a while. There we go. It's been a while. Uh, I did uh, Oregon State television actually this week. So wow. a little Zoom thing. Yeah, they you know they care about their beefs up there that they put us on TV, but yeah, they're, they were talking about the, was it the 2008 or not? I think it was the 2008 game with Mark Sanchez and all that stuff. Yeah. That was a crazy one to be up on the field for that, but really excited for this one. I think, like I said, I think the administration has done a nice job putting the pieces together to get people excited to come to the game. And we saw that for Stanford. They lost, it sort of lost all the momentum. They fire Helton. You get the momentum back. You got some more momentum with Jackson Dart, and that's not going to be there. But I think in general, I think player, I mean, the, the fans are going to be fired up for this game. And that's why we're doing the tailgate. You know, we want to do something cool. I think people are excited about it. So I'm expecting a, a great atmosphere again. I think so, too. I, there's been a lot of social media hype. I mentioned this on, on the Family Feud podcast, but according to a USC source, there hasn't been like a major uprise in uh, ticket sales. Huh. So I don't know if this is just like a social media thing where people are saying like, yeah, we're going to go. And then... You don't really see it, but I was super impressed with the crowd on on two Saturdays ago against Stanford, and so now that there's momentum uh, behind the program again, I wonder I wonder what it's going to look like. I do too, and uh, you know, fans could say a lot of stuff, but we've seen our numbers go up significantly yeah. after Helton was fired. Our, yeah. Just our shows, the the podcast downloads, all of it. People that were tuned out said, "Hey, I'm tuning out until Helton's gone." And when he was gone, they're back in. So I expect more people to, to be out there for this one. Have you watched any Oregon State stuff? Checked them out at all? I any, have, any thoughts on the game? Or No, I mean, I do think this will be – I think a lot of fans normally look at Oregon State and say, oh, that's an easy W. But obviously in the history of USC, that's not the case. And um, I just think this is a, a scrappy team, you know. But I think that uh, USC under Dante Williams, they're trying to turn the page. So I, I think it'll be okay. I think it'll go well for USC if they have if they're on their P's and Q's. But that's always been the biggest if and question mark. And so far, Dante Williams was able to turn things around in the second half against Washington State. And so I have a little bit more confidence that he can kind of rally the troops in that sense. But I mean, we'll see. Keenan Slovis, we don't know his full health status right now. He he seems to look good, but we don't fully know. What if Miller Moss gets the start? Yeah. We don't know. We don't know anything specific in that sense, but there's a lot of variables that could happen. But I think this will be an, a definitely interesting game to see how the team does back home in their normal atmosphere, not against a Washington State team that kind of imploded on itself. I'm just curious how it'll go going forward. Yeah, and this is a – I mean – I like Jonathan Smith a lot, like pound for pound, coaching wise, for what he has to work with. You know, one of the better coaches in the Pac 12, I would say. And, uh, you know, he's had the same coordinator as Brian Lindgren, an offensive coordinator, Tim Tibisar for defensive coordinator. They run like a three four defensive style there. Um, yeah, I feel like this is a team that can, if you don't play well, they can take advantage of that because it's going to be yeah. a well coached team. Yeah. Um, 
you know, the athletes aren't going to be as good. We saw them make some pretty big blunders against Purdue, and that hurt them. But like I said, once Nolan came in, the, the, the offense just seemed to be better. I think they they are stout enough on offense that they can put some pressure uh, on the USC defense, and they can score some points and force USC to kind of like come out and and play, you know, and play well. Like if you have another clunker third quarter, this is a team I feel can take advantage of that more than like a Washington State would that just seemed to like couldn't get out of their own way. So yeah, Oregon State could come in and just lay an egg and USC rolls them. But I think, you know, eight times out of 10, nine times out of 10, you're going to get a pretty good game from them. So you need to play decently to yeah. get a win. So And with this team, and, and obviously it, were, it was under different head coaches, but given the loss that we saw to Stanford, I don't think we can ever just say right now, hey, we know USC will play up to this ability and not lose this game to this opponent. You know, you called Stanford infam- infamously, but, yeah. and yet they lost. So I don't, I don't think you can really know for sure what this USC team will bring on any given Saturday right now. No, there's, there's a pretty wide range from USC. Yeah. And, uh, We'll see. Uh, but I think you're going to get a more consistent output from an Oregon State. It's just it's just one of those things like, you know, I've been playing volleyball for a long time, right? We'll play. There's a there's a guy, that former NBA player, that will come down and play with us who hasn't played as long. Obviously way more athletic than me. He was in the NBA. Like, won championship stuff. If he jumps up to hammer a ball, like, and I jump up to hammer a ball, I'll probably, like, Eight times out of ten, my timing's better and all this stuff, and I'll, do, I'll know where the court is. But he can do something I can't do. Like, he could just hammer the ball. Like, if he just hits a, you know, his high, his peak is a lot higher than mine when he's reaching up there. He can do things I physically can't do. Um, and that's like USC. Now, how skilled is USC? Are they, is they, are they like, that athletic and also have the skill along with it to, to play at a high level? Yeah, I think they can. We've seen that at times, but... If they play their A game, like Oregon State can't touch them. The problem with USC is they haven't just brought the A game all that much, um, or they do it for a quarter or for a half. Yeah, to give you an idea, so Oregon State enters the game with the number three scoring offense in the Pac-12 with 36 points per game. They also have the number one total offense in the Pac-12 with 452.7 yards per game. And they also have only allowed three sacks this season, which is actually tied for first with USC. They've only allowed eight tackles for loss, which is first in the Pac-12. So it's it's a feisty Oregon State team. It's not going to be a cupcake, if you will. No, and it, you know USC got three sacks against Washington State. Like you said, they they haven't allowed a lot of uh, um, tackles for loss. So can you can you get in the backfield and disrupt the run game? Can you you know get after Nolan and sack them and stuff? So yeah, and, you know you get them off their schedule. Like obviously playing Idaho. At home, it's not going to be that, you know, big of a challenge. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'll see. This is, you know, they, they already played on the road once in a, you know, in a Big Ten environment. Now they're going to come down to the Coliseum. So yeah. that's why Dante Williams was putting on social media this week. Hey, get out there. We want to, we want fans there. We want people cheering and, you know, the blackout and everything. So um, that's pretty cool. They've been doing some promotions. Uh, I think they did a promotion with uh, our buddy Roy, you know, SC Psycho. Oh, yeah. To give, there's some giveaways there. I think Brandon... Sasta put up on Twitter, like, you know, give me a good story and I'll bring you on the sideline to see the the blackout, you know, the beginning of the game. So they're, I think they're pulling all the stops to try to get people to be excited about this one. So. Yeah, I think they are for sure. I mean, and, and talking about, I said earlier, like the variables of we don't fully know how this one's going to go. We did see progress from Drake London in Wednesday's practice. He was able to participate on Tuesday. He was limited to just conditioning. And so he's a guy who you don't 
you don't need him to practice necessarily because you know what he's yeah. going to do. He's a beast. Yeah. Um. So if he could be fully healthy for USC, that's obviously a huge boost. And as far as Keaton's health, like he was able to do practice, but is this something where in a game time situation, his neck tightens up a little bit in the second quarter or he gets hit in one way and then you come out, you know, there's so many var- variables where this could go where we don't fully know. So we will see. And what about uh, any other injury updates? Nick Figueroa was one we got to see a little bit of. Yeah, Nick Figueroa did a little bit of work on Sat or excuse me Wednesday. Um, he has that AC sprain, so I think he's working back. I don't know if he's a hundred percent, but I do know that he probably came back a little too early against Stanford, and that did delay him. So I don't know if they're going to be willing to push him out there on Saturday if he's not a hundred percent, because I think they don't want another setback to the setback. Um, so that's kind of. Uh, if you're right there. And then Jalen McKenzie left early on Tuesday, did not practice on Wednesday. We asked Dante Williams about it uh, in the Thursday morning press store, and he said it was a dehydration issue, apparently. Okay. Um, it was very hot to practice this week. Uh, so apparently they held him out as a precaution on Wednesday so that uh, it didn't happen again. Yeah, that I mean, that's unfortunate for him because he had a chance, or still does, yeah. to be the starting right tackle for USC. Yeah, I talked to Clay McGuire about that this week, and he said, you know, I, he kind of said, you know, I wish we had, we're, we're in a spot to say this, this is our starting five, but he said we're still going to rotate and see who's going to be the best there. And he said, you know, I put Jalen in, and then we went on a roll and scored 45 points. So he said he didn't really want to um, break that rhythm that USC's offense was having. But, you know, he was very harsh on USC's offensive line and their performance. And we saw that on the sideline. Um, at Washington State, he was very animated, trying to get guys going. But he was just saying, you know, we made stupid mistakes. They didn't play to their their potential. And he was like, maybe <laughs> he said, maybe we read our clippings too much. Maybe I was too lax on them in practice. And I was like, wow. And I was like, so did you did you change anything in practice going forward? And he said, no, not really. We're just trying to make sure that we're holding them accountable so that they give effort and they're not too lax in practice. So interesting comments from him there. Yeah. Um, what on the defensive side? Any interesting comments that you guys heard on Wednesday's practice? Or We finally got to hear, hear from Todd Orlando. I think it's really funny when the defense does well, he just like Doesn't disappears. Talk. Disappears. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, well, we want to talk to you. I want to know what happened. So he reiterated what we heard from everyone else, which was just, you know, they didn't make too many adjustments in the second half uh, defensively. It was just telling guys to stop pressing so much. I think that was a real theme with the coaching staff. They saw that guys really wanted to make a play and they're trying so hard that they were, weren't doing their assignment. So I think that was the biggest biggest uh, change there. And then he was just saying Drake Jackson had a practice that fueled that spectacular play we saw for him on Saturday. Um, you know, the the catapult GPS thing that all the players wear that tracks like how much uh, f- like running they're doing and miles and force and all that stuff. Apparently he had his highest week. Um, heading into that game and so nice. he said it really paid off in that sense and it was interesting Vic Soto was like I don't even think that's his best pass rush that, that he's had this season so apparently Vic Soto has very uh, high expectations or critical eye but um, I, I think the defensive coaches were kind of saying hey we kept telling you that they would come and, and we got three sacks against Washington State so yeah. and again the caveat is that it is Washington State so we'll see going forward but I think the defense was overall pleased with what they were able to to get out of their their players on Saturday. And then, of course, praise for Kalen Bullock. I think they Todd Orlando admitted, like, you, they have to put him on the field somehow. Like, he's too dynamic where you can't. And mm. that's a guy who they were high on him coming into fall camp, and guys kind of identified him as, hey, watch this freshman. He's pretty good, and he's impressed so far. I mean, that interception he had against Washington State was just beautiful. So um, yeah. I think he's a guy who 
is definitely going to get more playing time and maybe start pushing for a starting spot. So something to watch for there. Yeah, he uh, and I think Chris Trevino was interviewing him. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, talking to him about stuff. And then Gavin Morris was doing his Instagram story and like sneaks up behind Chris and like sneaks a question in for, um, you know, for Kalen Bullock. So when, when you're the freshman getting that kind of attention, uh, yeah, it's, it's for a good reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he had like a bunch of interceptions this week in practice and stuff. So, or near ones, like good for him. So he's, uh, you know, they put some weight on him and there's, there's going to be more things you can do. He gets a little bit bigger. Like they can use him in some different roles and yeah. stuff too. Yeah. So they call him sticks for a reason. Yeah. He's a little skinny. <laughs> a little skinny. That's okay. Uh, he's a baller though. All right. Uh, anything else we can, uh, not fully. I guess we'll see. That's that's the main theme we've heard this week is we'll see on Saturday. We'll see on Saturday. Um, yeah, your story right before the game did well, too, the uh, the accountability stuff. So, And I got to talk to, I think I talked to like Taj Washington about some other stuff mm-hmm. where like, hey, can't wear hoodies and hats in meetings, meetings and yeah. stuff. And he said, you know, this is Memphis. But he's like, yeah, we weren't allowed to do that in Memphis. No earrings. Like, there's a lot of programs just have rules that sort of like, Hey, you're going to like tuck your shirt in. You're going to do. And that just got very lax under Clay Hilton. Doesn't mean that you can't win games or whatever that way, but when there's an overall discipline problem, yeah, that's one of those things you can kind of point to. So it seems like at least Dante Williams is trying to uh, instill more discipline in the program. Yeah. Discipline and accountability. Accountability was the word that kept coming up when I was reporting that piece. And, um, just the fact that like the SC logo has to mean something. He uh, apparently he said like you know the logo on your chest that you wear each day. You gotta you gotta respect it. And so um, one of the interesting things that I found out was just the fact that he put you know the little like movie theater velvet rope things, Ryan. Yes. He put that around USC's the logo. Stan- was it stanchions? Stanchions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he put that al- around the logo in the locker room and said no one's stepping on the logo. You know, it's a sign of respect. You don't step on the logo, but apparently that had kind of uh, eroded under Helton's tenure. And so he said, hey, if anyone steps on the logo, you're responding to me. And so he just wanted to lay down the law. And we talked to the players a little bit after Washington State about the changes. And apparently USC's locker room was pretty messy. And Dante (laughs) Williams was like, I'm not having this anymore. Like, you guys are cleaning up the locker room. You're leaving it spotless. And apparently Dante, the first day... Like, he cleaned it himself. He cleaned it himself. (laughs) Like, how do you have time? (laughs) He has too much to do. It's insane. But I think if you're going to send a message, that's it. Like, I cleaned this. That means... He's Every single too. one of you can clean it. Yeah, like, yeah, if yeah. I can clean it, you can clean it. Yeah, and I think that's the motto with him too. Is he corrected himself in the post game presser because he said like the players were playing hard for each other and for me. And I think he noticed how he said me, and later on he like followed back and said, you know, it's not just a me thing; it's a we thing. He was like, it's it's us together. It's not just me, the head coach. So I think he's very cognizant of the fact that yeah, you can be the disciplinarian and kind of ex- have high expectations, but you're also a, a you have a bond with players, you know, and that's how he's such a great recruiter. So I think he's trying to straddle both. But I, the thing I kept getting from the story was that you just don't mess with Dante. Players really respect him. They kind of fear him a little bit, which I think USC needs, you know. They haven't had that for a while. I haven't had that. That's the thing. Clay Heldon was a player's coach. Players loved him. Like I said, tears were shed when they found out that he was fired. Um, but you know, with being a player's coach, sometimes you just let things slide and discipline, I think, is is needed in a healthy football program. Yeah. And I, that's my, the analogy I always give is like, yeah, that uncle that lets you eat cake for dinner. Um, yeah. You kind of like that sometimes. But after a while, like as a, you're a kid or whatever, like there's part of you that craves some discipline, you know, like if you know, like I shouldn't be eating cake, but I'm eating cake every night. 
Um, yeah, like there's part of you that craves discipline. I think as a team, like, yeah, it's cool to like, I can get away with stuff and I can, oh, I can do this. I can do that. But at the end of the day, you're like, yeah, but we want to win football games and I get it. Like, so sometimes it's like, Hey, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. And I think that's where this team got to now. Yeah. Um, all right, let's, uh, take a quick break and we'll come back and answer some questions. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Uh, let's jump in with a voicemail first. We got a lot of emails and stuff, so we'll do. We do. We'll do a voicemail, and we have like a way too long voicemail that they didn't even leave their name. It went to three minutes and just cut off. But I'll give you uh, like the gist of it, and we'll okay. get your thoughts on. Okay. But here's the first voicemail. Hello, this is for Keely and Ryan, and and I was just calling after today's game. It, it's, it's it's funny, like how you know Clay's gone, and then all of a sudden the offense looks like the air raid again. The offense of 2019, ironically, the offense that jump started Keaton's career and seems to have jump started Jackson Dart's career. So I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I know that this is a small sample size. I, you know, I think we give it six games and make sure that this continues over another five games before we jump to too many conclusions, but. I mean, it's becoming pretty clear to me. I mean, hell, even just the third quarter adjustments alone that, you know, <laughs> Helton was having an impact on the offense. I mean, how long did he talk about balance of the, the gumbo offense? You know, I mean, it, you can't tell me that us, like, running the ball over and over and over again um, did not have Helton's influence, whether he called the plays or not, the game plan, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's, I don't know. It, it just seems like it's just too much like 2019 before Helton kind of got his hands on the offense in the offseason after 2019. Uh, hey, Jason. Um, I think I put this in the war room last week. I don't know. We write a lot of stuff, and I forget where it is. It's but been a busy two weeks. I, had he- I hadn't heard that Helton was meddling in the offense much. Same. Um, so I get it. Like I, I would say, though, certainly there's – you have to look to the top in any organization. And that's where it is. Like it comes from play Helton. Like maybe guys played harder or whatever it was. I, but I don't think there was like Helton telling Harold to do certain things. Um, that much. I just haven't heard that much, but there's, it definitely looked like, you know, there was some fight in this team in the second half coming back from adversity that maybe we didn't see as much under Helton. Yeah, I I echo what you just said, Ryan, but also I think the key is if you look at what the, 2019 season was it was Keaton Slovis fresh out of you know he's a he's a rookie playing kind of yolo ball a little bit like he had nothing to lose and that's similar to what Dart had you know he had nothing to lose he made he took some shots that I don't think they were a little risky his game is riskier but he took them and I think that helps the air raid that that Graham Harrell runs if you take those riskier moves or you're able to put the ball into very tight windows and Dart I think 
in the state that he was coming in was more willing to make those risks than Keaton in year three. So I think, I mean, that's why you saw two interceptions, but I think that's why you also saw what you saw. Um, But, you know, I think, and Gerard tweeted this during the game, but I think it might point to just the regression we've seen of quarterbacks. Yes. Under Clay Hilton, you know, I think it points to that more than I think him meddling with the offense. So, and, and Chuckin will say, and I think he's coming out with film study soon. There were adjustments in this game uh, to Graham Harrell's offense, whether it's Harrell or Dante, I'm not fully sure, but there were adjustments made. And so I don't think that this was a full, like Clay Hilton was in the, the mix here type of thing, because I was warned like, Hey, if the offense goes well, like, you know what the narrative is going to be. And I was like, yes, I know what the narrative is going to be. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I hadn't heard that prior to his firing or anything like that. No. And I think though he said something smart in there too, where it's like, Hey, don't jump to conclusions. You know, like you see like Jackson darts. Great. Like, all right, he should be the starter forever. Like, all right. Um, you know, Dante Williams won a game, make up the permanent head coach. Like, it's one game. Like, sample size. There's people. there's a very small sample size. Like people keep asking me, like, what if Dante goes undefeated? I'm like, okay, that's nine, ten, eleven games from here. Like, if he's beats Notre Dame and wins all those games, let's talk about it then. Like, we don't yeah. need to talk about that now. Like, if what any of that stuff, um, you know, I feel like this is a situation where he's just like, yeah, it's a small sample size. Just sort of like take it in. Like, don't jump to every conclusion just from. You know, you every play you watch, like, oh, that means this happened. Like, well, you know, some of it's just like things change. College football is weird. <laughs> week to week, day to day, it's all very different. Like, you know, no one really thought like it's like Jackson Dart's definitely got to start. And you're like, well, he's not even practicing. Like, so, but why? You know, it. No one cared. Like, he'll start. And like, okay, well, now he's injured. Like, he's not going to start. Yeah, um, fans, fans have their takes, and that's totally fine. It's in the but... media and stuff too. Sometimes you see. People oh yeah, like, I know. But <laughs> there's a lot of weird stuff. Going I mean, on. imagine the sentence of yeah, Jackson Dart got the win over Washington State under interim head coach Dante Williams. Tell us that three weeks ago. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, like like future like okay, you know, you're kicking off against San Jose State, and then and you read that headline like. In two weeks, this is what you're going to read. You're like, I'd be like, what? What happened? Or, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Craziness. Uh, well, we have an email from Brett C. from Knoxville, Tennessee. He says, hey, Parastyle Podcast team. This question is for Ryan and Keeley. Do you think it's actually possible that this USC team with Dante Williams can somehow sal- salvage a Pac-12 championship and a Rose Bowl berth at the end of the season? I'd like to hear your thoughts. Plus, was in joy uh, of excitement when uh, we I heard that Clay Hilton got fired. Thanks and fight on Brett C. Hey, Brett C., um, can they salvage? Yes. So you've seen the Pac-12. The last time a Power 5 conference or whatever, a Power Conference went uh, under 500 in the out-of-conference schedule was like, it was 97 or something, like the Big East, which is no longer a conference. Pac-12 right now is 23 and 27, and there's still two games left against Notre Dame and two games left against BYU. BYU is 3-0 against the Pac-12 right now. So... Most likely going to finish under 500 for the first time. That means, and you know, the Pac-12 is a lot of hot garbage. Like, there's only one undefeated team left. It's Oregon. USC doesn't have them on their schedule. So, can USC win the South? Like, certainly. Um, you know, we, there was a report out yesterday that uh, Arizona State—they're going to start interviewing their, you know, the staff and coaches and stuff for this NCAA investigation. They've already been interviewing the prospects that were apparently visiting, you know, illegal, whatever, against the rules during COVID. So, I mean, that investigation will be up soon. And then Arizona State's like, who knows where they are? Like, 
there's a lot of weird stuff going on in the Pac-12. So USC has the talent definitely to still, you know, win out and win their games. Yeah. You know, they could. I mean, they haven't played a South opponent yet. And no. if they take care of business, it's not like the South is a crazy talent. No. I mean, they're talented, but it's not it's not formidable. Right Outside now. of USC, South was 0-5, including yep. a loss to an FCS school. Like It was not good. It was terrible. I don't know what – Arizona's playing at Oregon this weekend. Like, they just lost at home to NAU. Yikes. An NAU team that was 0-2 against FCS schools. Like, this wasn't a national championship FCS school. This was a – low tier FCS school that lost to that beat Arizona. Um so there's some easy wins left on the schedule. And uh so yes, I think there's a lot of things that are still open for USC to do, even with the interim head coach. Yeah. Um let's go to another email. That's from Jason Hernandez, who says, question for the Ryan pod, McVay, Shanahan, and LaFleur coaching tree, question mark. The offense they're running in the NFL is dominating so much that the great Pete Carroll adopted the offense. The scheme would work wonders for the running game and would make USC's quarterbacks top drafting prospects. Take a look, take a page out of Eddie O's book and go seek a consultation from the pro football team in your backyard. Who knows? You just may end up with the next Joe Brady and an, and a national championship. Oh, and the first pick of the NFL draft. Hey, Jason. Um, yeah, like I don't mind that. I think whatever you do, um, I mean, a lot of the NFL offenses are getting adaptation stuff from college offenses, which is great. But I think at a place like USC, for sure, you can do, um, you know, you can use more. I mean, you can talent on talent works because you're going to have better players most of the time. The air raid definitely, it's typically used by teams that have the talent deficiencies. Um, I think though it's going to be up to whoever the coach you hire. You know, like they can have an offensive. If it's an offensive coach, they have their own scheme. Um, I think you find the fitting. I don't think you say here's the offense we want to run. I think you have to find here's the coach that's the best fit, and then what offense do they want to run, and kind of go with that. But yeah, I'm cool with something like that where it's more, you know, putting quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, offensive linemen especially. You want to put them in the NFL, and uh, you know, I, I, yeah. So I, I don't mind it. And, you know, you get a guy like you know, Jed Fish came from that, too, and he's now the head coach at, at Arizona. But, you know, Joe Brady for sure was uh, a local whiz and uh, did great things for LSU in that offense, which was maybe the best in college football history. Yeah, insane. Well, we have an email from Jack from New Jersey who wants to go on a rant, Ryan, for you. And rant I, away. You were talking to me about this pre-show, so I think you're ready to have your rebuttal. I, I got – there's a rebuttal here, yeah. Okay, he says, Ryan – I'm a, I'm on a crusade not to endorse James Franklin for the head coaching job at USC. While at Penn State, he is 10 and 15 against ranked teams, not good. 2 and 10 against top 10 teams, really not good. 1 and 7 against Ohio State, not good again. And Ohio State was not always a top 10 team when he lost to them. 3 and 3 in bowl games, marginal considering his opponents in those games. He has never played a ranked team in a regular season non-conference game, which equals 4 fluff wins per year. As a New Jersey resident, I can attest to the fact that New Jersey has the highest number per capita of Penn State fans in any state of the U.S. other than Pennsylvania. I can also tell you that most, uh, that almost all of Penn State fans in any state, uh, excuse me, that I talked to, which includes a bunch of my friends that played football at Penn State, are only a little more satisfied with him than USC fans were with Clay Hilton. We should all hope he enjoys wearing blue and white and stays put in Pennsylvania. Jack from New Jersey. Hey, Jack. Uh, I would disagree with you there. I mean. At USC, he would be the Ohio State. So if you take out the, the Ohio State wins, and, and they were going to the playoff almost every year. So 
and the, you know that Rose Bowl year is because he beat Ohio State because they won the the Big Ten. Like someone won the Big Ten, not in you know in the you know Urban Meyer era. Like it was it was James Franklin. Like that's pretty impressive what you were able to do. Um, you know he would have a winning record against ranked teams if you didn't have Ohio State in there, and you know that's the team that you're playing every year. Look what he did at Vanderbilt. He won at Vanderbilt when nobody wins at Vanderbilt. Um, what would he do at a place like USC? Uh, he'd be a minority hire, a huge thing for USC. I think his personality fits in very well. I'm going to have some stuff in the war room. So if you're a VIP member, check it out. Some more data for you, if you want, on uh, James Franklin that I think you might find interesting in why USC would most likely consider him because of some of what he brings to the table. My guess is, Jack, that you don't like that he lost to Clay Helton in the Rose Bowl because that's what everyone seems to point to. But um, yeah, he's he's the you know he's got the number three brand in the Big Ten and still won the Big Ten. Where like you know that would be you know pretty impressive to you know when you have Ohio State there. It's like you know when LSU won. Uh, the SEC, and, and they won the national championship. It was pretty impressive. Not like that Franklin did that, but um, there's it's hard to do. You know, when you're the number three brand, you're not the number one brand. He would go to USC and be the number one brand. Then if you do your job, you have a winning record against the ranked teams. When you play a number 24 UCLA, you beat the crap out of them, and that's because you're, you're the Ohio State. You're the Alabama, and he's not, and he's still doing – good things at, at Penn State. And he did great things at Vanderbilt, which you can read about in the war room too. Well done. Yeah. I need to be ready. I'm ready for it. We got an email from Kevin from Sun Devil Country, class of 08. He says, hey team, what are your thoughts on the following? So he has two questions. So I'll read them one by one for you, Ryan. Colin Cowherd's piece on how college football continuously thinks small and for USC to target NFL coaches like Doug Peterson, Anthony Lynn, and Matt Nagy. Do you think that these are realistic options? How do you like EB from the Chiefs, which is Eric Bieniemy? Yeah. Um, so I don't always agree with Colin. Uh, I mean, I get where he's talking about. I think it was, he was more pointing towards, do you want to get a Luke Fickle or a Matt Campbell that are, they're successful in small college towns. Would that translate to Los Angeles? You need to make a splash. You need to compete with LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard and Clayton Kershaw and all, you know, and Mike Trout, like all these, there's just, a ton of sports superstars in Los Angeles. Like he said on the show today, like Justin Herbert would be like, if he was in, you know, your city somewhere, he'd be like the number two athlete. And he's like number 15 in Los Angeles right now. He's just not even on the radar. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I get it. Maybe someone like a Doug Peterson, um, you know, who's had success in the NFL, like Anthony Lynn. No, I mean, Matt Nagy, I wouldn't think so. Eric Bieniemy, no, that's not happening. Um, I know there's some people that are on that bandwagon. Like, he'd already been fired once by Mike Bone when he was at Colorado. Um, I yeah, I just don't think that's a re- direction you want to go. You want to get someone with head coaching experience, and to me, preferably college head coaching experience. Someone like Peterson, I think, could be interesting, but the rather the rest of the guys, I would I would do a hard pass on. Mm-hmm. And then he has a second question. He says, what concerns do you have on the recruiting front, recruiting front with Helton's termination? Do you see USC able to retain its current commits and close those who are in consideration? Does USC name a coach before the early signing period? Uh, Kevin. Hey, Kevin. Um, yeah. First of all, yeah, you got to name a coach before the signing period. That's a huge aspect of it. And we've seen 
all of the top recruits that USC had committed are confirmed commit. You know, it helps that Dante Williams is the interim head coach because he's been such a huge part of that and signing those guys. Um, I don't think people were, you know, leaving the bandwagon because Clay Helton was gone. He was popular. He'd help close guys. People liked him. Like Keely said, people, like he was a player's coach. Um, but he, he's not like the, you know, if Nick Saban left Alabama, there would be people that would be like, okay, I'm out. Like, I don't want to like that. Is, he didn't, he doesn't have that same sort of presence. So you're not, you're, you're seeing the top recruits um, still be committed. Now that might change when the new coach comes in, when uh, you know, new staff members are assigned, you know, if there's, they change the offense. Like I think there could be some changes there, but you weren't seeing people jumping off and decommitting because Clay Helton's not the coach anymore. Well, I think it's also super important that Dante Williams became the interim. Yes. Um, he obviously is just the, one of the strongest, if not the strongest recruiters on the USC staff. So I think it, um, <laughs> sorry, Ryan, you can't make faces while oh, I'm talking. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're fine. I think he, uh, he's going to set the tone and make sure that the rest of the staff recruits as well. So I think you're in safe hands if you have Dante Williams as your interim head coach, because he's going to, he's going to bang that drum pretty hard as far as getting recruits in and whatnot. He's definitely going to do that. And um, he did. So I think for, if, if you just were worried about the recruiting class, which isn't, you know, super highly ranked, but they got some, some quality p- players at the top of that class. Dante Williams is the perfect choice to be your interim head coach. Yeah. So. Now, now, to be fair, when there is a coaching shakeup, that's like blood in the water for other programs, and so they're going to be sharks circling. So there is going to be more attention for you know the Devin Browns of the world, but I think having Dante is the best scenario for USC in this case. Yeah. Uh, you mean here? Why don't I do this? Um, your paraphrase a, voicemail? We had a long voicemail, and I'm sorry, it, because it cut off at three minutes, like Google voicemail doesn't let you go longer than three minutes. People don't realize how long they talk sometimes. I didn't get the name either, but um, it was basically, the gist of it was, uh, so he didn't like Keaton Slovis's negative demeanor, what he saw on the broadcast. There was a photo or a screenshot of a TV, you know, the TV broadcast that showed Dante basically like hugging Dart, and Slovis was behind him, and he was describing it looking as, quote, extremely angry. And quote, extremely are very unhappy. Um, he he mentioned the shotgun. Talked about this on the on Tunnel Vision after the game that Slovis couldn't you know was injured. He couldn't move his neck around yeah. it. He was, uh, but our voicemailer wasn't buying. And he said he didn't think it was a look of pain from injury. He said he didn't buy what Shotgun said. He thinks it was a look of someone being jealous and resentful. So, any thoughts on that, Keely? I well, I was pretty close to Keaton at the end of the game on the sideline, and he was just out of it you know he took a a hard hit and a neck injury that like shotgun said he had to like turn his shoulders in order to see shotgun post game so it wasn't it's not a a no small thing you know a neck injury so i think you know he was a little out of it and i wouldn't you know i don't read too much into those things like maybe if it's in practice and he goes after dart or something then yes you can read into that but sideline shots where your depth of field like that i know what photo he's talking about we don't even we can't confirm that keenan was looking in their direction like what if he was looking at like the ball boy to the corner of them you know i don't know i don't read into things like that because um it's just too too there's too many uh question marks there but yeah I mean, obviously, you're like just from a human perspective. I don't think you're going to be gleeful about your backup doing well in your absence. But 
Keaton doesn't seem like the vindictive type or the type to sulk on the sideline. So no, and the, I mean he came out and practiced this week. He seemed fine. The whole I mean the whole controversy was more about like no one wanted to say anything about Dart's injury, so they yeah. were just trying to avoid that kind of stuff. So that I think that made it th- weirder than any kind of you know facial expressions <laughs> on the sideline went you know yeah. right after you get injured and you're like. Yeah, you don't know. Like, I mean, you don't know if you're going to be able to play again. Like, he, you know, he's seen yeah. a lot of quarterbacks get injured. And, um, yeah, you know. I mean, he was in that position. He was Dart. Yeah. So, I mean, he he understands it. So, yeah. you know. But thanks for the voicemail. Sorry. Yeah, try to keep them shorter. If it, if it cuts you off, it was definitely too long. Brief is the keyword. We got an email from Eric in Duck Country who says, Ryan and Keeley, the LA Times quoted Rick Caruso as saying he wants to attract a world-class coach who will return the USC football program to the most co- competitive and highest levels of collegiate football, end quote. Does this mean that they'll be willing to devote the kind of money that comes with a world-class coach, coordinators, support staff, strength coaches, etc.? Thanks, Eric in Duck Country. Eric, I think we've seen already way more financial support than than we've seen from this athletic department before. So the fact that they were willing to invest money around Clay Helton, who wasn't a very popular head coach with the fan base, I think now, I mean, just the the read I get is they understand they got to get this right. You want to get the best coach possible, and you're going to spend a lot of money for him. Uh, you already spent a lot of money on just to buy out Clay Helton's contract to make him go away. That was That wasn't free. And now you're going to spend a lot of money to get the head coach. I don't think there's any way you're going to like pay, pay a lot of money to get this expensive head coach and then be like, yeah, you don't get any assistance and we're going to take away all these recruiting resources. Like They've already built the resources in around the football program. So yeah. I think they've shown that they're willing to invest. Yeah. And now there's ownership. It's it's their guy that they're their installing. Dude, yeah. <laughs> they're going to make sure that they want to do that because their pride is involved now because they've said all along, trust our administration and now they got to put their money where their mouth is so yeah so we'll we'll see we we'll see, see but yes i think they're going to put money into this so i if you judge on based on like previous athletic directors yes those they, those were incompetent like they were just they weren't good um i'm not saying mike bones the greatest athletic director ever but certainly he's a major major step up from what us had before he could be really good even if he literally, if, if, he's, if he ends up being like a below average <laughs> director, it's still way better than what USC had before. And then you hope he's going to be a great one. And then you do some amazing things with a football program. Yeah. Now, Robin kind of echoes what we were saying earlier in the podcast. Uh, she says, I believe, yes, this was nice and much needed to win, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. This narrative has played out before. The minute USC doesn't suck, everyone has these extreme expectations of a quote, a new era, unquote, uh, only to be sorely disappointed as the season wears on and reality sets in. Last year was a wash as USC played only five regular season games, lost to Oregon in the conference championship, and opted out of a bowl game. In 2019, they didn't win their division and lost to Iowa in the Holiday Bowl. In 2018, they weren't even bowl eligible. In 2017, they lost to Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl. I would tell Trojan fans to temper their expectations until we get more significant returns that this turn- turnaround isn't temporary. Remember, the 2013 Las Vegas Las Vegas Bowl was Clay Hilton's first game as interim head coach and USC won. I wouldn't read too much into beating Washington State. USC beat them last year 38-13. to Thanks, Robin from Virginia. Yeah, Robin. I mean, it, I mean, obviously, good point. I mean, just don't get ahead of yourself. You think one game, it's great. It was nice that you did some things you didn't do well. You sacked the quarterback. You scored in the third quarter. Came back and won. Perfect. You know, now you got to keep it going. And I think Dante Williams understands that as good as anybody. So I don't think you could just say, 
you beat Washington State on the road. This is going to be the greatest team ever. Like, no, but it's a positive sign. So just kind of put that the feather in your cap and move forward and see how they do uh, Saturday night. Yep. We have a couple more questions. First one is from The G, who said, Since every conceivable question has been asked and answered regarding the firing of Helton, Dante's interim coaching stint, the offense, the defense, the potential head coach names, uh, etc., I have a different question. Does anyone have any insight into the person or persons that Dante relies on for guidance, professionally speaking? Who is first on his speed dial? Old school, I know. Who is in, who is his inspiration? Does he have a mentor? And he's not talking about family members, etc. Uh, this may provide some insight into the inner workings of the man and what we can expect when things become challenging i look forward to your answer the g so the g uh he did see i don't my memory is pretty terrible do you remember he he listed off some coaches that he worked for before yeah i tried to look this up he i remember he mentioned tony dungy that's someone who looked up who uh reached out to him i thought it was interesting today he was saying like i feel like he said i feel like a total he said a-hole because he's like i have 1500 unread texts because people have just hit me up congratulating yes. me. And he's like, I have no time to like go through all that and sort through that. So a lot of people have been congratulating him and whatnot. But he he listed off a whole um, plethora of people. I just yeah. I, I tried to find it for the podcast, but I couldn't find where he said that. Yeah, I don't remember exactly, but yeah, Tony Dungy was definitely one. Um, so he's you know he's worked for some some great coaches, and I think he you know those are the guys that he's you know checking in with and you know getting advice from and stuff. So uh, yeah, it's a you know, he's been an assistant for a while and you get those, you know, any of those head coaches you work for, other assistants, coordinators, whatever. Um, you know, I think that's where he's been kind of getting his inspiration from. Yeah. We have two more. Right. One is from Dan, class of 1962. He says, hi, Keely and Ryan. In 1974, I saw USC score a late half, a late first half touchdown to finally score against Notre Dame and then score 49 points in the second half while holding the Irish scoreless to win 55-24 to for one of the greatest victories in USC history. That team went on to win the national championship. The game on Saturday with USC scoring in the last minutes of the first half and scoring 38 in the second half while keeping the Cougars scoreless felt like 1974 all over again. This is the first game in over seven years when I truly felt that we were playing USC winning football. I watched Coach Williams, and he deserves to be called coach on the sidelines at the end of the game, telling players on the bench to get off their butts and stand on the sideline cheering on their teammates. It was so refreshing that I truly believe that the loss of Stanford was the greatest win for the USC football program. With the USC losing and Notre Dame struggling to beat Purdue, USC could win out with this coach who truly believes in competition at all positions, even quarterback. Dart looked like Sam Darnold, great arm, and not afraid to run like Coach Hyde keeps preaching that the quarterbacks need to do. Coach Williams is the real deal, and if he wins out, he deserves the job for at least the next two years. Finally, fight on and win dan class of 1962 well glad you're excited dan um i mean i would uh, comparing washington state and notre dame is a little you know maybe that's a stretch for me uh but yeah obviously you you mentioned one of the greatest wins in usc history i would not put this up there that it's an encouraging sign like we've talked about before but um yeah that that was you know 24 points down against you know one of the best teams in the country and you make this historic comeback this was against a pretty bad team that, you know, Utah State came back against in the fourth quarter. So I, w- I definitely wouldn't equate those two. But, yeah, I, gr- I mean, love the optimism. And I think uh, I'm glad you're excited for USC football again and winning football. I think that's the, the general point, though. I heard from, you know, I have a lot of people I still keep in touch with who I went to school with at USC. And a lot of people were just super excited to have fun watching USC football mm-hmm. again. Like, <laughs> I got texts that were like, 
football is fun. Like people were genuinely like, wow, I'm having excitement watching this team. And I think that's the biggest thing too. The the players were having fun. Fans were having fun watching this and college football should be fun. So I'm glad that it has at least returned for fans. It should be. This is entertainment for people. They yeah. want to enjoy. And that's what, even when USC would win games, like they didn't enjoy the Clay Helton experience. They didn't, they knew they didn't believe him. They didn't like what he would say after games. They would, he would talk up opponents that weren't very good. They would lose to opponents that were good. And they, you feel bad, but you feel like he took the fun out of the game for a lot of the fans that just were diehard. And now they're just like, that was more fun. You know, even if they came, if they lost or whatever, like it, it was an exciting game and it was more fun. And they just, they just enjoyed it. It was, it's different. It's different. And I think USC fans needed something different. So yes. in that sense, I'm really curious about what Saturday is going to look like. You know, 100%. it's a late game, so I don't know if that affects things, but I think it'll be different. We'll yeah. see. We shall see. Alrighty. Our final question comes from Steve, USC class of 97, who says, I think I'm having USC coaching search flashbacks. Stop me if you've heard this one before. USC fires its coach midseason and, prom- and pr- uh, promotes... Uh, and, promises. Oh, excuse me. Hello. And promises. It's been a long day. And promises oh, to yeah. conduct a national search. Local and national media speculate on possible big name coaches USC could hire, filling fans with unbridled optimism about the future of the program. Meanwhile, USC goes on a run, wins some games, and beats UCLA. The, play- the players rally around the interim coach, and the AD hires him permanently. Only in Hollywood, right? Please tell me that history is not going to repeat itself. I like Dante Williams, and I love the energy he brought to the team this last week. But to use Ryan's descriptor, the Pac-12 South looks like butt. <laughs> this is like just an iconic word, Ryan. Love it. Yes. USC could very well uh, out-talent its way to the Pac-12 title game, leading the players, fans, and in- influential boosters to get swept up in the motion and lobby for Mike Bone to hire Williams permanently. The conventional w- wisdom is that Bone and Sosna won't make the same mistakes as Hayden and hire the interim, short of winning the national title. But do we really know that for sure? USC has hired three bad coaches in a row. They cannot afford to make the fourth bad hire. Otherwise, they risk becoming Nebraska or Miami, mired in mediocrity and national irrelevance. Please talk me out of my PTSD so I can relax and enjoy the rest of the season. Thanks and fight on. Steve, USC Class of 97. Yeah, Steve, that's completely PTSD coming on. Uh, that's, you know, you need to get diagnosed. You know, there's, uh, but for sure, I get it. Um, I wouldn't worry about this. If USC wins their next, what, four games and beats Notre Dame, Talk about it again. I don't think you're going to worry about this, though. I mean, I think you should. You feel like that you're in better hands, that they're not going to make the wrong choice. Um, if they hired Dante Williams, it's because some pretty amazing things were happening around yeah. the program. Like that, I, That's the only way I think he would be hired. And I, I think it's an extreme, extreme, extreme long shot. Like any sort of blemish, I don't think he would be. I, they, they know they have to make yeah. the right hire. And USC would talk about it, but didn't you know they weren't going to do it they just they they had horrible leadership you have much better leadership now i think they want to make the right hire and i don't think doing the interim thing again is where the way you want to go someone that doesn't have any experience i think if if usc reaches the cfp then let's revisit this conversation but i mean i can guarantee you i know this is going out on limb but i can guarantee you this this administration doesn't um, make decisions on emotion like the past ADs did. Right. So it's not going to be like what he described where it's like, oh, it, they look kind of good. Okay, here you go. Here's the head coaching job. It's not going to be like that. The pressure's on. They know that they need to, the, to hire a good guy, a good candidate, 
and it matters. It matters for their legacy at USC, and that's all they've tried to do so far is they've been scratching and clawing and hoping that USC fans will will give them the benefit of the doubt, and this is where it really matters. So I don't think it's going to be this willy-nilly decision that it's kind of swept up in emotion. And if you remember, like, Pat Hayden basically, they came to that decision, like, we want to keep Clay, but knew it wasn't going to be. It wasn't like Clay was doing these amazing things. But they beat UCLA, and so that was good enough. That was like, let's strike when the iron's hot. We're going to promote him right now instead of like waiting two more games, whatever, till the season's over. They did it right when they had their best opportunity because they knew it was going to be hard to sell that. And when they promoted him, Hayden, I mean, like Hayden, like literally made the announcement. We're in like that room in um, the McKay Center and just tries to leave and just tries to like, and without answering any questions and he gets cornered and we're all like asking him questions. And he was just like, he didn't know what the hell was going on. It was like, what are you doing? He, he was trying to like, Hey, I'm going to promote him and I'm going to walk away knowing that things probably weren't going to go well. Cause they end up getting blown out by Stanford, uh, lose the bowl game. Like they went one and five over the, the first five games for Clay Hilton. So, um, Pat Hayden knew it was going to be a popular decision, but just one he wanted because, you know, it wasn't because he thinks that he was going to be the best football coach for the football program. It was someone that wasn't going to push back on him and was going to be happy to be there. And then they could just kind of go on their existence without rocking the boat at all. So, yes, I don't think you're going to see like Dante Williams get like a big win over Notre Dame and they just promote him like, OK, you're the, now the permanent head yeah, coach. No. Like, that's not going to happen. It's not how they roll. No. All right. Well, we went over an hour. Pretty good. We did it. Uh, we got tunnel vision tonight. Too. I wasn't fully prepared to podcast because my brain, when I had to do a story, it like melts my brain a little bit. So hopefully, I made it through. Keely's a little stressed. You know, sometimes when you break big news, you get a little stressful. Stress. But you did an amazing job. Thank so you, congratulations. Thank you. Thank um, you, sir. And all the other reporters have now, while we we're podcasting, have all confirmed your report. The confirmations are rolling in. So yeah, so you don't, you don't have to worry about being that was nice. Correct. Good pat yeah. on the back. Because <laughs> if you're wrong now, everybody else is wrong too. But. You were not wrong. Um, so we wish Jackson Dart a very yeah. speedy yeah, definitely. recovery. But USC fans, your starting quarterback, the guy that was like at Pac-12 Media Day, the guy that was on all the Heisman's list, like he's still your quarterback. So I wouldn't worry uh, too much. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. For Keely Yor, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Parasol Podcast. We will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is 
finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.